Time now to unleash the team at Midday Live. Thank you, Vuyo. Coming up, it's 12 o'clock, Friday the 10th of May 2013. Good morning, or rather good afternoon to you right here on Midday Live. you with South Africa's news and information leader. I'm Elvis Preston and I'll be your host until 1 o'clock. Coming up in this hour, the Tswane Metro Police Department have suspended 11 members in total for their alleged involvement in the escort of the Gupta wedding guest. The ANC NEC deployees have maintained that proper processes were followed in the run-up to the rerun of the Free State Elective Conference and will cross live to Cape Town for an update on the 23rd World Economic Forum on Africa. Those and more stories coming up, but first, the news at 12 o'clock. SAFM, South Africa's news and information leader. Tswane police suspend eight members for Gupta Saga and Kosatu's Vavi on xenophobia. That's in the news this hour here on SAFM. I'm Asanda Matsawanyani. The Tswane Metro Police Department has suspended eight of its members for their alleged involvement in escorting Gupta wedding guests from the Vatadglov Air Force Base to a northwest resort. The members were issued with letters of intention to suspend them. Tswane Metro Council spokesperson Consul Tliani. After the expiration of the 48-hour period, letters of suspension were signed off and dispatched to the eight members. At the time of this briefing, the eight members would have been duly served or about to be served with the letters of suspension. The said members will have their firearms and appointment certificates confiscated. They will face charges which we will outline below. Kliane says two other officers will receive letters of intention to suspend them today. We have since learned that two other officers, in addition to the nine, were also allegedly involved in the escorting and or the provision of security detail for the wedding delegation. This brings, therefore, the total number of members who were allegedly involved in the whole matter to 11. Gauteng police have confirmed receiving a copy of a video allegedly showing officers receiving a bribe. Officials say the video material seems to show that two police officers allegedly solicited a bribe from a motorist. In the footage, an East Rand police officer is seen taking money from a man. A policewoman then allegedly performs a sexual act on the man in the parking lot before being handed some cash. Police spokesperson Neville Malila explains. The content of the video is very disturbing and that has warranted the management to take immediate action and to institute immediate investigation. The two members from Boxburg North Police Station, both of them are constables. They were approached. We are serving them today with letters of possible suspension. The South African Bus Employer Association, SAPEA, says it's optimistic that it will reach an agreement today with striking bus drivers affiliated to trade union Satau. Both sides will be meeting at the bargaining council in Johannesburg in a short while. SAPEA's Klaus Hames. As far as we know, the workers are not prepared to accept the 9% that was um, offered by employers. They were demanding a double-digit increase, which means anything from 10% upwards. And um, the current exercise is to see whether the settlement can be achieved. 
Meanwhile, a group of Satawu members in the Joburg city centre are planning to hand over a memorandum of demands to the Gauteng Department of Transport. Kosatu General Secretary Zuelin Zimavavi says with the current high levels of unemployment, it would be difficult for South Africa to overcome the demon of xenophobia and achieve social cohesion. He was speaking at a seminar on xenophobia organized by the African Center for Migration and Society at Wits University. Vavi says unemployment will affect government's dream of building an inclusive society. Our unemployment rate now is as bad as it was in 2008, the time when we were hit by the world economic crisis in which we lost over one million jobs in a short period of 22 months. A society with those levels of unemployment can never sustain social cohesion. The South African Weather Services says KwaZulu-Natal residents can over the next few days expect cold winds and rain, sometimes accompanied by hail. Forecast them to do Zimtembu. Today we expecting uh, cloudy conditions and associated with cool conditions over the province, but we do expect it to be very cold in the high grounds of the western parts in the Drakensberg where light snowfall is possible in the high mountains. Recapping the top story, the Tswane Metro Police Department has suspended eight of its members for their alleged involvement in escorting Gupta wedding guests from the Vatatklov Air Force Base to a Northwest Resort. For SAFM News, I'm Asanda Matzaunyane. Headlines at half past 12. Over to you, Elvis. Midday Live on SAFM, 104 to 107. Thank you, Asanda. Twelve, uh, uh, seven minutes past the hour of 12, and we're staying with that story. The Itswani Metro Police Department has suspended uh, 11 of its members for allegedly being involved in escorting the Gupta wedding guests from the Waterclough uh, Air Force Base uh, to the Northwest Resort. Uh, the members uh, were issued with letters of intentions to suspend them. The ninth uh, officer was uh, not served for the letter to as he is in hospital. Itswani uh, Metro Council spokesperson Consul Kliani says the 48 hours expired yesterday and no representations were made by the officers concerned. Now to tell us a little bit more we joined on the line by the Tony Metro Police spokesperson Consul Cleani. It seems like uh, we're getting hold of him and we're going to try and get hold of him to uh, explain a little bit more. Uh, previous, uh, previously we heard it was eight members. We believe it's 11 in total. Uh, so we to just get some clarity on the issues and uh, now we joined on the line by the Tony Metro Police spokesperson Consul Cleani. Consul, good afternoon. Afternoon, Elvis and Elismas. Now, previously we heard there was eight members. We now hear there's 11 members. Please clarify that for us. Yes. Uh, by Friday last week, the number was nine. Now, what has happened is that we have served the nine, the eight with suspensions. The ninth member from the last week's group could not be served with a letter because he is in hospital, so it wouldn't be prudent nor humane to serve him with a letter. On Wednesday this week, we learned that there are other two, and we confirmed the existence of the other two, and we are saving with letters of intention to suspend by end of business today. So all in all, is 11 members, eight already on suspension, one in hospital, two still to be served with letter of intention to suspend. Give us some light on the duration of the suspensions for the members. Well, um, our policy states that within five days of serving a member with formal suspension, such a member should be served with the charges 
within five days. We're hoping to uh, prefer the charges against the members by end of today. And uh, thereafter, uh, we're hoping to have the first disciplinary hearing by uh, the end of next week, before the end of next week. As to the actual duration of the hearings themselves, that will be determined by the kind of evidence cross-examination that will be induced. That one, I cannot say how long it will last. Give us a rundown of the charges. Well, uh, I will not uh, mention them in their specific order, save to summarize them as follows. Mm-hmm. One, that uh, members could have well violated the municipal policy, which states that you may not uh, do private work without the explicit written permission of the head of department, in which case it should be the chief of police. Alternatively, the policy says that you may not engage in work that is similar or almost similar to the one to the kind of work that you do for the municipality now. In this case, these are metropolis officers. It can be argued without any fear of contradiction that uh, escorting and or provision of security detail is similar uh, to uh, private security work, the difference between being that the other one is private sector, the other one is public sector. The second uh, broad uh, charge may well be that could it be found that the officers uh, used their status, misused their status as police officer, and or employed their municipality-issued weapons? You would know that given the fact that you cannot do private work, you therefore cannot employ your municipality weapon, uh, weapon, uh, issued weapon, or any tool of trade uh, for that. In addition to that, they, as a metropolis uh, uh, department, our jurisdiction is the city of Tswang. You may not, without the explicit written um, uh, permission of the chief, render any other service at another place except when there is a broad uh, 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 permission to that. Lastly, um, if it is found that these members were indeed mm-hmm. there at those times, it will be that they have put the TMPD and indeed the city of Swan in a very compromised situation, mm-hmm. given the fact that you know this matter has caused mm-hmm. a lot of anxiety throughout the country. That's where we got to leave it. That was the Tuani Metro Police spokesperson, Consul Kliani. It is now 12 minutes past 12 o'clock. You're listening to Midday Live right here on SAFM, South Africa's news and information leader. Convicted murderer, former Rustenburg mayor Matthew Volmerans and his accomplice Enoch Machaba has been granted a 100,000 rand bail each by the Northwest High Court in Maikang. The two were found uh, guilty of killing Rustenburg councillor Mos Parkway in March 2009. Parkway was killed in his driveway in Rustenburg, Nurt, two days after handing over a dossier to the late Minister of Cooperative Governance, Sitelo Shikeka, implicating Volmerans in corruption. Their bail application follows their success in appealing their sentence. Now, for more on this, we're joined on the line by our reporter, uh, Tsepang Mulale. Tsepang, good afternoon. Tsepang, are you there? Tsepang, can you hear me? 
Well, we try to get hold of Tsipang just to make sure that we uh, can connect on that line. That's Tsipang Mulale, our reporter in the northwest, uh, to uh, tell us a little bit more about the bail application uh, by Matthews uh, Vormerans, the uh, former Rustenburg mayor and his accomplice in Ochmachaba, who has been granted that 100,000 rand bail each by the Northwest High Court in Maikeng. Let's try again. Uh, Tsipang, are you there? I'm here, I'm here, I'm here. Uh, Tsipang, can you briefly give us the background to this story? Basically, what happened is that uh, both uh, convicted murderers, Matthew Bomarans and Inok Mataba, they won an appeal, a leave to appeal, uh, about three weeks ago, uh, to appeal the, 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 and uh, requested the court to, to be acquitted of the charges. You would remember that they are accused of killing, like I rightfully said, of killing uh, Most Parkway in March uh, 2009. Uh, Mataba in jail was uh, ended down with a life sentence, while Matthew Bolmarans, the former resident mayor, was uh, given a 20 years uh, jail term. Basically, what happened today is that, uh, oh, oh, rather three weeks ago, the judgment was reserved to today. And we, we, we when we had the court uh, this morning, uh, the, 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 it was uh, 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 revealed that both uh, convicted uh, uh, murderers will uh, ag- ag- going to receive uh, 100,000 rand. Basically, they are going to be released uh, as of today uh, to be given time and prepare for the appeal, which will be uh, had in the Supreme Court of Appeals, which will sit in Masikeng, a full bench uh, comprising of eight judges uh, on the 7th of June. Mm-hmm. Just to, for my own clarity, the appeal, was it on the sentence or on the charges? Uh, it emerged that uh, these they are appealing to be uh, exonerated, or rather, to to, to uh, for, for the sentences to be acquitted, uh, for them to be acquitted of the charges, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they are basically saying that they are not guilty and they were wrongfully accused and convicted. So that is uh, the, 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 the main reason why the full bench of uh, eight judges will uh, will be able to sit and hear the matter, uh, because we understand that uh, uh, when the, the, the sitting judge uh, was handing the sentence last year, there was evidence before the court which uh, gave merit to them being given uh, those two separate sentences. What has been the general reaction from both sides, the defense and the prosecutor? Uh, the prosecution, I was speaking to the, the, the NPA spokesperson, uh, uh, Franklin Senior, who said that they are, although they respect the court's uh, ruling, they are very disappointed at the matter. However, they were saying that they did not uh, think or believe that uh, uh, the, 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 the convicted uh, murderers will uh, succeed in their appeal. Uh, and we are also able to speak to the uh, attorneys uh, representing the, 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 the applicants who are uh, Mataba and Walmart and in this matter. And they stated that uh, this is sort of a milestone for them since well, the, 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 the Mataba and Volmarans will be scot-free for now, uh, pending the appeal that would be uh, 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 in court on the 7th of June. And they're thinking that uh, they've got uh, clear, uh, uh, concrete evidence which would therefore uh, 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 win uh, the, the appeal uh, in June. We also were able to speak to the family. We spoke to the first daughter of uh, Most Parkway, the deceased in this matter, who's saying that uh, they are not happy at this case because every time when they think that they're finding closure, uh, they're being taken from pillar to post. Just when uh, the both of the accused were convicted and were found guilty of the murder. They thought that this matter is dead and buried, but it seems like uh, it is going to haunt them again because they'll be dragged into the court yeah. again, you know. So that it's a grueling process. That's where we got to leave it. That's our reporter, Tsipang Mulale, in the north, in northwest, rather. Midday Live on SAFM, 104 to 107. 
17 minutes past 12, our top story at this hour. The Tswani Metro Police Department has suspended 11 of its members for allegedly being involved in escorting Gupta wedding guests from the Wat Vatherkloof Air Force Base uh, to the Northwest Resort. Now looking at the markets, gold is trading at $1,447.62 an ounce. Platinum is trading at $1,498.15 an ounce. The Rand is trading at 9 Rand and 5 cents against the U.S. dollar. At 13 rand and 94 cents to the pound and at 11 rand and 78 cents to the euro. Join me, Debbie Edelstein, at the 8th We Are The Leaders We've Been Waiting For Women's Leadership Conference on the 22nd and 23rd of May. Each year, the Women's Leadership Conference asks powerful leaders to share their leadership secrets with women who want to fast-track their path from good managers to great leaders. For more information on the Women's Leadership Conference, call Lizzie on 011-880-9749 or visit qualitylife.coza. Because when women connect, the world changes. Gear yourself for 22 exciting regular Friday evening appointments because Nuit for Nuit is back. We're going to rock you again with brand new music challenges, bubbling contestants, brilliant guest artists and our red hot band. Kick off your shoes, phones off the hook, on with your music hats and come and sing, play and laugh along with us. See you every Friday evening at 7.30 on SABC2 for the usual fun and games associated with Nuit for Nuit. Can't wait. Midday Live on SAFM, 104 to 107. It is now 18 minutes past 12 o'clock and we cross now live uh, to Cape Town for an update on the 23rd World Economic Forum on Africa. But it seems like we have uh, we seems like we have that connection right now. And we say good afternoon to Dashan Moodley. Dashan, good afternoon. That's right, Elvis. It's good to speak with you. Very good afternoon. Uh, thanks so much for joining us. It's the final day of the World Economic Forum on Africa here in Cape Town. But the momentum of these high-level discussions have not abated. Today, President Jacob Zuma is hosting the SADC Troika meeting. That's on the sidelines of the forum. Uh, the meeting is going to discuss matters of regional interest, including Madagascar, Zimbabwe and of course the Democratic Republic of the Congo. Uh, in a short while we're also going to be speaking to celebrated musician and social activist Yvonne Chaka Chaka who's going to be joining me in studio to explain her interest at the uh, World Economic Forum on Africa. But we, before we speak to her let's set the stage now with our reporter who's going to discuss some of the important developments uh, that have been made so far. Uh, infrastructure development, one of the top political priorities here in Africa. Uh, the lack of existing infrastructure, future investment Investments being a key factor, hampering the continent's economic development, trade and jobs creation, of course, as well. Launched today, the Strategic Infrastructure in Africa business approach to project acceleration, focusing on regional project acceleration in Africa. Well, what does all that mean? Let's get an update now with uh, our reporter, senior economics reporter, Sepo Mongwai, who's uh, joining me on the line. Sepo, good afternoon. Thanks for your time. Uh, good afternoon, Dashan, and to SFM listeners. Let's talk about this report. What does it unpack? Well, what's quite interesting, one of the ideas that was uh, mooted here at the World Economic Forum by the, the African Development Bank is uh, an establishment of a fund, uh, or, or so-called an, an instrument, uh, that is linked to the infrastructure. It's called Infrastructure Financing Instrument, which will be a sort of a, a bond that will allow central banks on the continent to invest in that, to invest their reserves in that particular fund in order to uh, utilize those monies to, you know, 
uh, towards infrastructure development projects. And I thought that was quite an interesting idea. I spoke to a Deputy Reserve Bank Governor of the South African Reserve Bank, Lisa Khanyaho, and he said the idea is receiving quite a lot of support. Because come to think of it, uh, all of Africa's reserves are in foreign denominated currencies. They are not in this country. And this year we're talking billions of US dollars that our banks are sitting on. Have they put a figure up so that we know how much money is possibly available for, as, as you say, infrastructure development in Africa? Well, uh, I think for uh, for for for, for the, the this uh, fund, it will be a lot of billions of U.S. dollars because for South Africa alone, we're currently sitting on around 45 billion U.S. dollars. That's our our reserves in 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 gold uh, and U.S. dollars. Uh, but I, the idea, there's been a lot of figures that have been pulled. Some they say 90 billion US dollars will be needed mm-hmm. for to improve infrastructure on the continent. Another issue, addition that I think it's important to touch on, is the Africa Progress Report, which was uh, launched this morning. And one of the f- important issues that it's raising is that although there's been a lot of revenue that uh, the continent has realized mainly from mineral rich country those kind of revenues have been used mainly to widen the gap between the rich and the poor and another issue it's 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 it's, it's corruption that although there is money to be realized, uh, to be, you know, that the, 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 the countries are benefiting, but some of this money is lost because of tax evasion, it's a serious, and money laundering, some of the money leaves the countries uh, uh, illegally. The, the so this, ordinary this... people on the ground mm. are not benefiting as much as they should. It's just a few people that are benefiting from this. Sepo, this, this report was launched uh, earlier this morning by Kofi Annan, uh, the, the chair of the Africa Progress Panel and uh, former UN Secretary General, of course. He, he talked about the, the report really helping to make better use of the natural resources we have in Africa to lift millions of people out of poverty. Have they spoken about any tangible outcomes from this report, things that can be implemented today? Uh, they made recommendations. Remember, these are just a recommendation that they, they, they made. They talk about you know, a need to improve governance and strengthen national capacity to manage uh, the so-called uh, extractive, extractive industries, that's mainly your mining, uh, and, and more transparency when it comes to how these deals are made and how money is going to be used, how money is going to be channeled towards health, education, because they're saying that uh, money that is made from revenue in mining has not made the lives of ordinary people, for example, to talk about schooling, mm-hmm. has not improved in those countries. Uh, health hasn't improved. So there are problems of sharing uh, those benefits from mineral resources in many African countries. Well, we're going to continue talking about uh, problems at Sepo Mangwai, our SABC senior economics reporter. Thanks so much for your time, of course, talking about uh, the developments today. The African Development Bank investing or promising to invest in local banks around the continent. We know 90 billion US dollars needed per year just in South Africa to help us uh, reach some of the infrastructure gaps that we are reaching, uh, that, that we're trying to bridge in, in, in the country. Unfortunately, there are some voices that, that aren't able to 
reach the ears of some of the delegates attending the World Economic Forum in Africa here in Cape Town. Each victim of malaria, for example, mainly women and children in Africa, could be saved with just one dollar, which could buy, could buy a full course of treatment for a child. Now, but for those who live on less than a dollar a day, even low-cost life-saving treatment remains tragically out of reach for them. To talk to us about this challenge, I'm joined in studio by celebrated musician, I think that's okay to call her, and, and social activist, Yvonne Chaka Chaka. Ma'am, thank you so much for joining us. Really appreciate your time here. Thank you for having me. It's been a great two days around here. And I, and I must say, it's so great to speak to a woman, especially with the number of men attending this conference. Uh, have you noticed the, the lack of women and the lack of beautiful faces that we see here? Well, I must say, you know, there's lots of men around here, but there are lots of women as well. It's quite encouraging to mm. see those uh, young global shapers, those young leaders who are here, and um, just women who are leaders in their own Has right. it changed much? Because we, we met two years ago here as well. I remember at the registration desk, you were trying to get in as well. And, and we had a bit of a chat with you then. But has it changed much over the World Economic Forum? I think in the past attended? four years that I've attended the World uh, Economic Forum, including going to Davos mm. last year, it really has changed. And uh, what I'm glad is that, you know, um, these are forums that make people talk. I've just realized that if it was 10 years ago, maybe I would not even have bothered to come to the World Economic Forum. Things have changed. They're talking about social issues, about problems. Uh, governments are engaging, you know, presidents are coming here. But really what I'd like to see is to see the tangible stuff. Mm. As I said, these forums are very, very good, but we need the presidents. We need the people to start walking the talk and practicing what they preach. The implementation the is implementation what we need now. The implementation is what yeah. is important. You can imagine a net, just a long-lasting net, which causes to $2. Some people do not have that and they are dying. And it's not the fault of their own. You know, the medication for malaria, mosquitoes are getting cleverer every time. So the medication is there, money from donors is there. But I always want to say to our leaders, it's important that they invest in their own people so that when money from donors come, it should just be cherry on top because, you know, money that comes from donors, it has got strings attached mm. to it. So the 15% that was uh, declared, the Abuja Declaration, they should abide by that. Some countries are still on 7%, 9% and things like that. So it's very, very important that, you know, we invest in our people. For me, as I always say, you know, with forums like this and people talking, healthy communities uh, equal to uh, uh, healthy societies. You mentioned you know. the, the Abuja Declaration. Only two African countries have managed to meet the Abuja Declaration. You're a, a, a goodwill ambassador for the Rollback Malaria Partnership. You're also a UNICEF, uh, UNICEF Africa member. How, what are we doing here at WEF in order to reach these goals? When when Africa co economies here, we, we're talking about them doing so well. We're talking about 4.7% growth projected at five this year. We're talking about 6% growth next year, far outweighing anything else that's being done in the developed world. Africa is really growing. It's an engine that's driving forward. But what are we doing for the people on the ground? You know, I, it's actually very sad that uh, we still have to call Africa a dark continent. This is not a dark continent that people perceive it to be. All we need is political will. We need leaders who are very strong, you know. We can't have others benefiting and others not benefiting. The minerals that we have in this continent are there to serve everybody. But, you know, as everybody says, they serve others. It's like um, animal farm. Well, as we say, it's an extractive industry. We're extracting not just the mineral wealth of the country, but just the wealth out of the continent. The, the, the wealth is here, but it's mm. taken out, it's taken somewhere else, and when it's brought back to us, it's 100 times more than that. So our leaders should, we need to start uh, uh, investing in, in, in each other, 
you know we need to start um doing business amongst ourselves as african you know so many things have been done you know the 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 when there's medication when it's taken there the taxes that have to be paid and things like that other people who are supposed to be paying the taxes are not and then people who are supposed to be benefiting from that are not benefiting we are so running out of time i really think this is um a great forum but we need tangible stuff we I, need to start i want to ask you one doing final question. The right things how does attending WEF help you in your mission well, at least I'm able to talk, you know, uh, I shoot from the hip. Nobody pays me to do this. So um, I know no protocol. I actually want to be the voice of those people because I've just come from the township. Now we've taken two kumbis of the people who've come to the World Economic Forum to go to the townships, to move out of this beautiful environment, to go and see how is it like in, in Kailicha and in Edimfuleni and talk to ordinary people and ordinary children. So at least, you know, we're moving to the right direction because once you empower those people, then they're able to do things. People do not want handouts. They want hand up. Ivan Chaka Chaka, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, you sang for justice and equality during apartheid. Hopefully you're singing the right tunes here at the World Economic Forum for those voices that are just not reaching the ears of the delegates uh, attending the, the WEF here in Cape Town. That's it from our broadcast here for this afternoon. Thank you so much for joining us. Remember to join us again between 4 and 6 as we do more updates on PM Live. But for now, it's time for your news headlines. It's exactly 12.30. Here's Asanda Matsonyane. Thanks, Darshan. Good afternoon. Anglo-American Platinum has unveiled its revised proposal and says it will now retrench approximately 6,000 workers. The company had planned to cut 14,000 jobs. The Tswane Metro Police Department has exonerated itself from all activities linked to the escorting of the Gupta wedding guests from the Vatterglof Air Force Base to a Northwest Resort last week. The Metro Department has suspended eight of its members for allegedly being involved with the entourage. And the disgruntled ANC members in the Free State calling themselves regime change have hinted that they will challenge the processes leading to the rerun of the provincial ANC elective conference. For SAFM News, I'm Asanda Mazzaunyane. Details at 1 o'clock. Over to you, Elvis. Thank you, Asanda. That brings the time now to 12.29. Now, as usual, at this time of the afternoon, we cross live to Nancy Riches to find out what's happening. Uh, in fact, we first go to Natalie Germanis in Soweto at the Soweto Open. Natalie, good afternoon. Can you give us an update? Good afternoon to you too. Well, the, uh, there's some good news from South Africa's point of view. South Africa's Chanel Simmons has made it through to the final after she beat Nadia Kitchenok 6-2 and 6-2. Very tough conditions today because it's been very windy and it's certainly a lot colder than what we've had so far in the last two weeks of tournament. So from Chanel's point of view, she'll be very happy with that win. She's made it through to the finals and it's going to be a tough match up for her because she's going to either play Timia Babush or Theodora Mercic. Both players are very strong players and have shown some good consistency throughout the week. Timia Babush is of Hungary and she's the number one seed. She's on court at the moment facing Theodora Mercic in that second semi-final. Mercic is from Serbia. At the moment it's into the first game and Timia Babush of Hungary is serving first. Later on today we'll see Chanel Simmons yet again, this time though in the doubles final and she pairs up with Magda Lynette of Poland. They'll be up again against the Great Britain pairing of Samantha Murray and Jade Windley. Natalie Germanis for SAFM Sport. Thank you, Natalie. That brings the 12, time now to 12.32. Let's find out what's happening on Otherwise with Nancy Richards. Good afternoon, Nancy. Hi there. Well, what's happening today? For mothers all over South Africa, we're going to be talking to the editor of a magazine called Fabulous Woman. Well, how's that for a gift? 
And then as the uh, FASA International Franchise and, and Entrepreneurial Expo is taking place in Santon, we're going to be chatting to a previous franchisee of the year, said to be a very popular role for women. We'll also hear from a man who's researched the women of Marikana to find out what life is like for uh, the women of the, the partners of the miners. And to close in our women's organization feature, we'll be talking to a young Danish woman about how things are for women in her country, said to be a very gender-progressive country. So that's what we've got lined up. Hope you can join us right after the news at 1. Thanks, Bongi. If you've missed any of our stories on Midday Live, visit sabcnews.com for the latest news updates, interviews, and podcasts. You can also dial Newsbreak on 082152 for the latest news on demand, sport, weather, traffic, and financial indicators. sabcnews.com. Midday Live on SAFM, 104 to 107. 1233. Anglo-American Platinum has unveiled its revised proposal and says it will retrench approximately 6,000 workers. It also says it will consolidate Rustenburg into three operating mines through the integration of uh, Kusaleka 2 and Komonani 1 and 2 into the surrounding mines. Kusaleka 1 will remain operational. Now, this will result in a reduction of production capacity of around 250,000 ounces. Now, we're trying to get a reaction from the unions and we'll update you on the latest uh, during the course of the program. It is now 12.34. Going to the Free State now, the disgruntled ANC members in the Free State calling themselves regime change have hinted that they will challenge the processes leading to the rerun of the provincial ANC elective conference. This will be the second court challenge against the province's elective gathering. The repeat conference follows a constitutional court ruling which nullified the previous provincial leadership structure which was elected in June last year. For more on, on these developments, we joined on the line by our reporter Edwin Sidi in Welcome, Edwin, good afternoon. Good afternoon, everyone. What is currently happening now and what is the situation like? Well, uh, news just in Elvis is that uh, disgruntled members of the ANC in the free state calling themselves regime change have just confirmed to us now that they will challenge the processes leading to the rerun of the ANC Provincial Elective Conference. At this stage, Elvis, I cannot tell you, I mean, on what grounds, but uh, earlier on, you would know that during the week we have been running the story that uh, they are not happy with the processes leading ahead to the conference, and they are saying that they, were, they have been rigged once again. They are also alleging that some of the branches that have been nullified by the Constitutional Court, I mean, are have now been allowed to take part in the conference. So they are saying that, you know what, all these things that have been done at this stage are the repeat of what happened last year, I mean, towards the, the Paris June conference. Now, we understand that the regime change group was expected to brief the media today. Has that happened already? It has happened, and that is where we are getting this report that uh, they, are, they are now challenging the processes leading to this particular conference. However, Elvis, I should say that there was a press conference yesterday by the PTT, that is the provincial task team, that was uh, appointed to oversee the processes leading to the conference and to ensure that uh, this conference had become a success, as well as uh, deployees from the ANC's uh, NEC, uh, and uh, one of the members who was addressing the media there was uh, NEC member Lindy Zulu, who said that you know what, we have exhausted all the avenues and now it's all systems go for this uh, weekend conference. Have they indicated that's now the regime change, what they will do next? 
Well, indeed, indeed, they have indicated, as I told you earlier, that now they are going to court. They are saying that last night they've been in consultation with their lawyers and it has now been confirmed that now again, you remember that they took this matter last year, uh, I mean, prior, rather, after the, the Paris conference, what they did is that they approached the High Court, which said that, you know what, we can't hear your matter due to some technicalities. However, they also approached the Constitutional Court where the court found that, you know what, the, the, the High Court in Bloemfontein did not consider some of the important facts with regard to this conference. And then uh, then as a result, the conference was declared null and void. I should also add that the indications are very strong that should this conference go ahead, then uh, uh, the provincial premier, that is Eich Mahashule, is likely to, 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 I mean, to win again because of the fact that uh, this regime change uh, People are alleging that they've been supplied. But however, I put this particular question, I mean, to, to, I mean, to the PTT and as well as the NEC deployee in the free state who said that, uh, you know what, uh, you know what, uh, things are going fine and we can go ahead with, with this conference. And uh, that was uh, Edwin and Sidi in welcome in the free state. Uh, and I can tell you, uh, we probably haven't heard the end of that story. It is 12.37. Now, you can also engage with us on our number 34701. That uh, is the SMS line, and you can give us your comments on any of the stories uh, that we have covered here. And uh, if I uh, take a quick look at uh, some of the SMSs, um, this one says uh, it's more window dressing uh, of the cops and officials. Uh, they are just uh, the, the chicken feed uh, to uh, shield and uh, it seems like I can't open that piece of the... Let me see if I can recover it. Um, no, it seems I can't do that. I'll come back to some of that, uh, to some of your SMSs uh, on the SMS line as soon as we can open that one. For now, a Durban community is seeking government intervention after a group of boys who were circumcised by an NGO developed uh, complications. At least 20 boys are said to have been admitted to hospital after undergoing the procedure in the past few weeks. The SABC reported on the plight of the children last week. KwaZulu-Natal Health MEC Sibongezeni Dlomo says he's still waiting for a full report from his officials to get to the bottom of what went wrong with the procedure conducted at the clinic. He says they may also need to review the system used by some of the NGOs partnering in the medical male circumcision program to ensure that they are in line with government's protocols. Zanela Butalezi compiled this report. In 2009, King Goodwill Zulitini revived male circumcision in Guazulu-Natal in efforts to fight the spread of HIV. The campaign has been supported by the provincial and national health departments. According to research, men who have been circumcised are up to 60% less likely to become infected with HIV. Over 250,000 boys and young men have been circumcised in the province since the campaign started. But a recent campaign by an NGO to circumcise boys in Durban communities has threatened to taint the initiative. Boys from as young as 11 years old have been admitted to hospital with complications after being picked up from their communities to get circumcised in Enumla's clinic run by the NGO. Angry parents have reported the matter to the police. Local councillor in Dasenuk, Begim Vega, says about 21 boys have been taken to hospital with similar problems. Eight of them are from his ward. He's a man who 
He says they've asked local principals to issue warnings to children at schools. Reports are that a car would pick up boys from the streets. He says parents will only notice when their children display signs of discomfort that there's something wrong. He says he will write to the Department of Health in the municipality asking it to intervene and investigate the matter. He says they want them to visit the clinic in Umlazi and get answers as to who gave them consents for the children to be circumcised and what compensation or help are they going to give the affected children. Health MEC Dr. Smongseni Lomo says they don't want to see the circumcision campaign tainted because it has scientifically proven benefits. He says he's waiting for a full report on the matter from his officials who are looking into it. He says they have many partners in this program and some of whom are funded by the government while others are funded by international donors. We probably need to look at that and look into some of their systems and practices, whether they're in line and they're not shortcuts. We're not really going to be rushing numbers at the detriment of our clientele. So this one again is something that we need to clean up very well and soon so that people do not fear to come and circumcise and think that. But I must hasten to say... We haven't had a death as yet. It could have been a pain, it could have been one skin badly cut, needs more sushading and all that. That part we, we will actually be the part that we hear about now. Speaking to the SABC last week, the clinic insisted that the procedures were performed properly with consent from parents. It said since it opened in Umlazi last year, almost 6,000 circumcisions have been done with very few complications. Lobo says government has standard operation procedures for the medical male circumcision. Only males above 14 years get circumcised and must have the consent of their parents. They are also tested for HIV, among other things, before the procedure is performed. Lobo says they also insist on follow-ups after the procedure. The circumcision, by the way, has a lot to do, if it goes well or not go well, has a lot to do with the skill of the person doing it which is something I've always been trying to advocate. I know both methods of circumcision, and just this one, we understand that it was the first step guided. So that uh, it also removes the myth to say, you circumcise with teleclamp, you like to have more problems. It has a lot to do with the skill of them. So right now, I have not tested all that, whether this was a skill. Lomo says many government clinics provide circumcisions. He says healthcare workers must undergo at least a week's training from designated centers before they start performing the procedures. Zanele Butelezi, SABC News, Durban. It's now 12.43. Anglo-American Platinum has unveiled its revised proposal and says it will retrench approximately 6,000 workers. It also says it will consolidate Rustenburg into three operating mines through the integration of uh, Kuseleka 2 and Komanani 1 and 2 into the surrounding mines. Kuseleka 1 will remain operational. Now, this will result in a reduction of production capacity of around 250,000 ounces. Let's hear from Anglo. The main focus of the operational restructuring centers around Rustenburg and returning the loss-making mines to profitability. We plan to do this by integrating mines and optimizing their production and overheads. We previously planned to integrate four shafts. They were Kusileka 1 and 2 and Komanani 1 and 2 into the surrounding mines. The revised proposal will keep Kusileka 1 shaft operational in the short term and Kusileka 2 and Komanani 1 and 2 will be integrated into the surrounding mines. 
The implication is a substantially reduced number of affected employees at the operations, now in the region of circa 6,000 jobs. The revised proposals will result in a reduction of production capacity of approximately 250,000 ounces per annum in 2013, and by an additional approximately 100,000 ounces per annum in the medium term. Should these revised proposals be implemented, Anglo-American Platinum's Rustenburg operations will be reconfigured as a sustainable 320 to 350,000 ounces per annum producer in the medium term. As originally proposed, we plan to divest Union Mines at the right time. In the interim, the Union Mine will be reconfigured to protect near-term value. We'll continue to explore opportunities for further joint venture portfolio rationalization. Our review of overheads, support structure, and costs, as well as the review of the commercial and marketing strategy, will also proceed as planned. As originally proposed, we expect our efficiency and cost reduction initiatives to continue to deliver 3.8 billion rand of annual benefits by 2015, including annual savings of 390 million from optimizing the overhead structure. As Anglo-American Platinum has consistently demonstrated, we continue to take our social responsibility seriously, particularly to our employees and surrounding communities. We will seek to ensure that as far as possible, we compensate for any necessary labor restructuring through the creation of an equivalent number of jobs that may be affected. Where labor restructuring may be necessary, we expect to redeploy a significant number of affected employees into new roles across Anglo-American in South Africa and to other employers. Was the CEO of Angloplatz, uh, Chris Griffith. Now, for more on this, we joined on the line by NUM spokesperson Elisiba Shashok. Elisiba, good afternoon. Good afternoon to you, David. What is your reaction to this new proposal that will see 6,000 workers being retrenched? You know, Elvis, um, we are very disappointed by Andrew Platinum's decision. Uh, to us, this is not an achievement. Uh, if you look at it in the context of what they call 14,000 in relation uh, to the 6,000 now, it may sound like a, a big achievement. It is not an achievement at all. What we know is that uh, this is how these companies operate. They put a big figure and say we are going to return 20,000, knowing that the intention is to return 6,000. We are saying that uh, the principle of use it or lose it must apply. If a company wants to move ball in operation, the state must refuse. It must give uh, over the licenses so that uh, the state can put it on public auction for whoever wants to come in mind can do so and assist people in getting jobs. We think that uh, what Andrew Platinum is doing uh, is going to be opposed uh, by us at all costs. If it means that we will have to organize strikes and marches to oppose this move, we will do so. So you will not consider the proposal at all? We are not prepared to consider the proposal now and will not consider it tomorrow. We will, be doing, we will engage them further. In fact, the last time we engaged them was yesterday, and they remain steadfast uh, that, well, look, the, this is their plan, and they will go ahead and announce it in public. And now that they have announced it, we will go further and uh, negotiate and talk to them, and if they refuse, we'll have to look at other plans on how to make... Uh, 
make them do as we wish. And that is the NUM spokesperson, Lasiba Shashoka. Brings the time now to 12.48. It's time for us to cross to the dealer room to find out what's happening on the markets with Mpo More. Mpo, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Elvis. How are we trading ahead of the weekend? Elvis, our market is trading a touch firmer as gold and platinum miners are on the back foot on lower metal prices. Markets are also better in Europe where the foot is up 0.55%, tax up 0.64%, and the CAC 40 is 0.56% better. Back to the JSC, we've got the gold index down 1.5%, resource index flat at 46,030 points, industrial index up a quarter of a percent, financial index up 0.2%. The overall market is only up 40 points or 0.12% to 40,386 points. And uh, we had results from uh, ArcelorMittal, Goldfields, and an announcement by Sun International. Uh, firstly, ArcelorMittal released their quarter result. Headline lows per share uh, came in at uh, 67 cents. That's against headline earnings per share of 71 cents previously. Revenue was down 15% to 7.8 billion rents, mainly due to fire at uh, the Funnel Bale Park uh, plant. ArcelorMittal is currently trading 4.1% higher at 26 rands and 60 cents. Goldfields released their first quarter results. Net earnings from continuing operations for the March 2013 quarter came in at 236 million rands, as against 376 million rands in the December quarter and 381 million rands in the March 2012 quarter. Goldfields is currently trading 1.6% lower at 61 rands and 65 cents. Lastly, Sun International announced that it has made an offer to acquire 100% of Purple Capital's gaming interest for a cash consideration of 30 million rands, subject to all the regulatory approval. Sun International is currently trading 3.3% lower at 103 rands and 25 cents, and Purple Capital is trading 11.75% lower at 15 cents. Let's look at the movers and shakers on the market today. Uh, on the upside, we've got Green Road up 2.1% to 19 rands and 49 cents. Distel up 1.9% to 124.69. Naspers up 1.88% to 636.06. MTN up 1.7% to 173.07. Coronation Fund Managers up 1.65% to 57.03. On the downside, we've got Sarcom down 3.5% to 31.26. Anglo Platinum down 3.2% to 334. Steinhoff down 2.7% to 23 rands and 16 cents. Harmony Gold also down 2.7% to 41 rands and 93 cents. And lastly, Royal Buffer Platinum down 2.4% to 54 rands and 40 cents. Let's look at the latest market indicators. The gold price is currently quoted at $1,447.10 an ounce. Platinum $1,496.55 a fine ounce. Brent crude $103.25 per barrel. The government R157 is trading at a yield of 5.01%. And now to our currencies, the rent to the dollar is at 9 rands and 6 cents. The rent to the euro is at 11 rands and 79 cents. The rent to the pound is at 13 rands and 96 cents. Back to Elvis. Thank you, Mpo More from the dealer room at Sassman Securities. It is now 12.51. You're listening to Weekend weekend AM Live. No, <laughs> Midday Live. <laughs> right here on SFM, South Africa's news and information leader. Well, it seems like we're going to take a break and we'll be right back.
Listen up for Shop Shop Children's Programme on SAFM with Leon Fisser at 10 minutes to 2 weekdays. And here to Shop Shop, it's Shop Shop. Shop Shop! Hi, I'm Johnny Clegg. You are listening to SAFM, South Africa's news and information leader. Midday Live on SAFM, 104 to 107. 12.52, it is time for the Sports News with Janet Witten here in studio. Janet, good afternoon. Good afternoon, how are you doing? I'm very well, thank good, you. Good, Super Rugby, what happened? Yes, there has been some action this morning already. A close match in the first match, which doesn't really affect South African teams, to be perfectly honest. It was the Chiefs against the Force. Uh, the Chiefs managed just to come out winners in that match, 21-22. There is a match underway at the moment. The Reds are playing against the Sharks. The Sharks are just having a really bad run at the moment, and they're not looking much better today against the Reds. The Reds have a good record in Super Rugby, so I mean, they were always going to be a tough team to play against um, on tour. But at the moment, the Reds are leading 29-10, so not good news for the Sharks. Tonight's match I think is going to be an interesting one though. The Cheetahs at home and I mean they've had the most extraordinary season so far. I mean they've, you know, they've picked it up so well and they're in line for, for at least um, the South African honours in Super Rugby. They're playing against the Hurricanes um, at 7 o'clock tonight. That's going to be a tough one. It's going to be interesting to see how they manage that. There are then of course uh, three games tomorrow as well. The Blues against the Rebels. Um, that's the early game at Hoppus 9. The Waratahs against the Stormers. The Stormers are going have to pick themselves up there and then the kings against the highlanders i think that game is going to be too much for the kings to be yeah. honest i think they kind of you know they they did what they could do and they impressed us all and they told us all yes we deserve mm. to be here but that's about all they're going to be able well to do. it's big shoes to fill isn't it, hey? it is very big shoes. now there's also sevens rugby the final tournament in london how are we doing we've done very well in this event um this year you know we we we, we are second and we will finish second i think on the on the irb seven series because new zealand have already won it. But I think what needs to be remembered is that South Africa has won three tournaments in this event, which is more than New Zealand have done. New Zealand have just been more consistent. And the ones that we haven't won, we've done pretty badly. Um, but we won last weekend. So the so it's looking, uh, I mean, the prospect uh, for this um, tournament in London tomorrow, pretty good. We're playing against Australia first up. Australia not very good at sevens rugby, so that shouldn't be a problem for us. Then against uh, our second matches against France and then against the United States. So we certainly shouldn't have too much problems going going through to the um, mm-hmm. the quarterfinals. What is remarkable about this game is that Frankie Horn, the South African captain, will be playing his 50th consecutive match. Uh, That's a world you. record. Mm. Just briefly, it's the penultimate end weekend of soccer in South Africa. Orlando Pirates against Mamelodi Sundowns tomorrow afternoon. I think that's going to be the game to watch. Platinum Stars, of course, an important game in terms of the title. That match um, taking place at 3 o'clock, like all of the games. All the games taking place at the same time tomorrow. Uh, no Kaiser Chiefs on tomorrow. They're playing on Wednesday again before all the final matches next Saturday, where the title will be decided. All right. There you have it. That's Janet Whitten from the Sports Desk uh, in studio with us. It's 12.55. It's time to go to the world of arts and popular culture with Michelle Constant. Create is proudly presented by Business and Arts South Africa, bringing the business of the arts and the art of business together. Auditing firm Medellin Partners, together with Business and Arts South Africa, recently launched the Medellin Partners and Barca SED program. This online program allows businesses to channel their triple BEE socio-economic development contributions towards arts and culture and in turn enables the businesses to qualify for BEE scores. 
Kuni Medell is the managing partner at Medellin Partners. We've always been, over many years, been involved with artists and helping musicians and contributing to assist artists. And we realize that there are many more other companies that want to contribute to the arts and they don't have necessarily the right mechanism to do it. On an advisory perspective on BEE, we've realized that there was a good opportunity for companies to make a contribution to arts and art communities and also get accreditation on a BEE scoring and we had a lot of support from companies saying listen yes they, they would support the art even more if there was more points they could gain from it as well. He explains how this mutually beneficial program works. If you look at the BEE codes one of the elements in BEE is socio-economic contributions and if you're making a contribution in this specific example to art programs or art communities where the majority of these beneficiaries let's say 75 percent are black but if you're making one percent of your net profit after tax, you're making a contribution of that value, you know, you would get your BEE points. And that's all driven from the website. So what happens now is that based on discussions with Barcelona, they've looked at various art programs and art communities, and they've identified three of them as a start and said, listen, here are three communities that would benefit from getting funding from businesses. And those funds are channeled then through to these art communities, and they would obviously be able to use those funds in training or development to be self-sustainable on an arts level. Participating arts organisations will be selected on an annual basis. One of the current beneficiaries is Drama for Life, an applied drama and theatre research programme. For Warren Neby, the director of Drama for Life, the innovative programme, such as this one, comes at a very crucial time in the arts. I think this is a fantastic innovation at a very critical time. There is no doubt that the arts are in crisis. The recession has hit the arts quite dramatically and I think that we are doing too little, too late, to secure companies, organizations, theater groups, performances, dance in a way that will stabilize and ensure growth because the arts sector can employ, can train, contain, help create a future generation of people. And for me, surely that's one of the most essential things about who we are in South Africa. We want to employ young people and we want to train them to be innovators of the future. Nibi believes the program will create a strong foundation for the future growth of the arts. It's about offering the opportunity for people to grow There are a lot of young people who are truly inspired and have a lot of great ideas and want to train, want to learn, and want to practice in the arts. And I think a lot of young people understand just how innovative the arts can be and how they can actually function economically. I mean, the arts do make a contribution to our economy. There's no doubt about that. The issue is that we need support in order to create those foundations, strong foundations that will ensure the future of the arts in this country. Um, And you just need to look towards the states to see the extent to which foundations and business and private individuals have made a fundamental contribution towards the growth of the arts. For more information and to make a contribution, you can log on to either www.middel.co.za or www.barsa.co.za. I'm Michelle Constant. This feature was produced by Monique Stander. Create. Proudly brought to you by Business and Arts South Africa. Creating new opportunities for business arts partnerships. Email create at baza.co.za.
like to thank the team, Mabo Baloko and Madisa Matelo, technical producer Olavang Manana, and senior producer Namaliso Mandela, executive producer, obviously, Chia. My name is Elvis Preston. Goodbye.